How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to a new video. Welcome to 2021. This is one of the first videos I'm doing this year and the first episode of this new series I'm doing called A Professional Conversation With, where I talk to professionals in their field, learn about them, see what makes them tick. And today, oh my gosh, for the first episode, we are here with a bang. We are here. You know him from comicbook.com. According to his Twitter bio, he is the CEO of Good News, which I 100% agree with. We are here with Brandon Davis. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, how are you doing? How's everything going? Uh, well, thank you for having me, man. Uh, I'm good, man. You know, trying to try to have as good of a year as you can uh, after last year. So, so far, what are we, four days in? So far, so good. You know, a lot of big things coming this year, hopefully. We'll, we'll see. Well, that's absolutely fantastic, man. I wanted to thank you so much for coming on. And guys, if you are not aware, uh, one of the reasons he's here is to talk about his new podcast, the Phase Zero podcast, coming January 15th to comicbook.com and anywhere you hear podcasts. We will be talking about that a little bit later, but I just wanted to get that up there on the top. Now, Brandon, we're going to start out with the first question here. Now, the main thing that I wanted to really learn about people when I talk about um, in this series is that spark. You know, we saw that in Soul, the movie that came out on Christmas Day, kind of talking about the spark, the, 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 the reason for living. Um, for you, we know you from comicbook.com and everything in the entertainment industry. What was that spark for you that started you down your career path? Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I've always loved movies and television. And, and, and I mean, I, I like comics a lot too, but it was always more of a movie and television thing. I wanted to make movies and television um but i just knew uh, especially towards the end of college when it started to get real like oh, you need to get a job now kid uh that i just wanted to work in the movie and tv world in one way or another um but i think for me like the the spark moment was more of a moment of realizing what i didn't want to do um and <laughs> i went to a career fair i went to the university of south carolina i think it was my junior year might have been my senior year i did like four and a half years so i don't know what counts as what uh but i went to a career fair and i you know i printed out my resume i put on a suit that i you know barely fit me so i was a kid in college who didn't really care about wearing suits uh and i went to this career fair waited in line like went inside all the booths were set up and i just felt so out of place like i was just like i don't want to do any of these jobs yeah, I, I, and I don't think anyone else here does either. That's what I thought. I'm sure there were people there who found jobs that they really like and they really wanted, but I just felt so out of place that I had a hard time imagining anybody wanted to be there. I was like, I got to just go do something I want to do. And I ended up, the only thing I ever did at that career fair was pursuing like a internship slash entry-level career, like a JC JCPenney's. Uh, and they took me in for interviews and they all went well and they offered me an internship and uh, by the time that process was done, I had already um, started working on like a, just a TV show that just through a stroke of luck, um, uh, just knowing the right people, getting introduced to the right people just by chance through friends. Uh, they, they were like, we want to get you a meeting with AMC to pitch your show. And I was like, yeah, what? Uh, and I just took that and ran with it. Like I, I, took, I, I switched into an acting class. I found kids who were into filmmaking. I decided like we were going to shoot the first episode of this thing I had like thought of. And like, I didn't even know if this meeting was ever happening. I just decided, you know what, if this happens, we got to have something ready other than just sit, sit across from a table with people. I didn't even know what to expect. Um, and one thing just led to another. And it just became like a thing that the school heard about and the local news heard about because I talked too much. Um, and I don't even know if the pitch ever even ended up happening. It never happened with me. Uh, but I ended up going to the local news station. And while I was there talking about this thing that we were shooting, um, 
I said, listen, I watch every single movie that comes out every Thursday night. Uh, if y'all want like somebody to do movie reviews, I would love to. Uh, Cause I don't know if I'm going to get a TV show and I didn't. Uh, and they were like, yeah, come in. Can you come in on Friday? Like 6am or 5.30 AM. I was like, yeah, sure. So for like six straight months, I started doing uh, free movie reviews for the watch Fox station in Columbia, South Carolina. And then uh, uh, when that was finishing up, they offered me a full-time job and I, uh, as a morning news producer. And I just realized I wanted to be on camera. I wanted to be talking to people. I didn't want to be producing the show, which was a hell of an offer to get out of college. Like I, I didn't even know what it meant because I wasn't a journalism major. I actually called a friend who was, and I was like, what is a morning news producer? And they were like, they're giving you the whole show to produce the show. And I was like, yo, uh, I don't like, that's crazy. I, t- I was, I accepted it, but I also emailed comic book and I was like, listen, I didn't tell them I had the full-time offer. I just said, I want to make videos for you guys. If you guys are open to it, because you don't have any content. Cause I want to be on camera. I want to talk to people. I want to like, not only talk to the people who make the movies and shows that I love watching, but talk to the people who watch them. Cause like, I've been that person for the longest time. Like it, I just want to build that community. And they, uh, I don't think the pitch was as well worded back then. I had a lot to learn, but for some reason they hired me. <laughs> and, uh, I got that. That was, that was, I think that was, I think I just in the long winded version realized that I, I, I wanted to be on camera. I wanted to talk to people and connect with people uh, and, and celebrate like the things that I loved so much, which were movies and television and comics. Uh, And that was really what, what led me to this point so far. That's amazing. Yeah. And and then, like we said, you came out of South Carolina, you had all those great opportunities and then you went over to comicbook.com and that's where you are now. You're doing a lot of great stuff over there. So what, what were the beginnings like when you were at comicbook.com? How, how was it at the beginning when you were there? Man, I, I was not happy. Like I had a really hard time. Um, it wasn't what I thought at all. Like and that's just because I was, a, I was 23 years old. Like I had just graduated college and I, in Columbia, South Carolina, like I knew everybody in the town. Like, I mean, I had friends who were teachers, friends who were athletes on the sport, the sports teams at the school, friends who worked at restaurants, friends who worked at bars, friends who worked at every store. I walked. like, I just knew everybody. Like I could have run for mayor in Columbia. I love that city. I love the people there. And then I moved to Nashville where comic book was based and I didn't know anybody. Uh, and the job was very different back then. Like I, I thought it was just going to be, all right, we're jumping in. I, I'm going to be interviewing James Gunn. I'm going to be doing this and that. And I was just putting mail in envelopes. And I was like, writing addresses on packages. And it was just a smaller brand back then. There was only four people for us. We, we used to have a little corner space in a bigger office of a bigger outlet uh, that we would just had like one little pod of desks and there was four of us. Uh, and I would just kind of write a few articles each day and then just do whatever else they needed, whether that was moving stuff or mailing stuff or whatever. Like I just was the new guy. Uh, and, um, I had to really kind of claw my way into it to the point where it was like, we're not in LA. We're not getting invited to things in LA. And I was broke as hell back then. Like, and I walked in and I was just, they sent somebody. I remember we got an invitation to the Dr. Strange junket and we sent somebody who was in LA cause they didn't want to spend the money to, to send one of us out because it was like, we weren't big enough to be making, to be making spends like that when we can do it for free uh, or do it, pay a freelancer to go, and their rate would be cheaper than the flight and hotel. And so I just walked in, I was like, listen, this thing's come up, like I'll book my own flight. Like I never want to miss another one of these things again. And uh, it just was, a. it took so much patience to get happy with it. Uh, because at first it was like, I had, I, and I wish I knew when I started how much I had to learn 
because I really just went in uh, with such a different picture of what it would be immediately. Whereas now it has already, I think, or it's on the precipice of exceeding those expectations I had back then. But at first, like I thought I'd be doing what I do now then. And it just doesn't work like that unless, I don't know, I'm sure maybe for some people it does, but I, I just can't imagine a scenario where it doesn't. I'm glad it didn't because then I would I wasn't good enough back then. Like I watch videos back then. And it's just like, well, thank God they, they took the time to coach me up and let me learn and make mistakes when less people were watching because you, you know, if I was in front of the rock doing an interview now, I feel like he'd look at me like, who, the, who sent this jabroni? Like who, who said, lay the smack down, like, like, get him out of here. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm talking too much. I, I don't know. Oh, I, I love it. Talk away. I absolutely <laughs> love the answers. I mean, I love hearing the stories. I mean, that, that's why, that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing this. I want to hear these stories. So, so you said started off, you know, you guys, you guys had, weren't making a lot of money. It was only four of you. So, so what was that point for you guys when, when it just, it really started to take off these, I believe looking at it, you guys are now owned by CBS, uh, CBS, the, this is the big CBS company. So, so what point did it really start to, you know, you guys see like, oh, this is actually kind of taken off. Like, like we, we, we might have something here. What, what, what was that moment for you guys? Yeah, man. Um, when we saw, when the company sold to CBS, that was like a real nerve wracking day for a lot of people. Uh, because we, we had like a, we were, we were an independent company. And, you know, there was like a, some investors and like our CEO and uh, we didn't know, you know, are they going to change personnel? Are they going to like, is, what's going to happen? And uh, not much changed really. Um, it pretty much stayed status quo for the most part. Some like corporate procedures were put into place and stuff like that. Uh, and I think maybe we got a little bit more of like a budget to go travel if, it, if we needed to, but we had to just justify expenses more thoroughly. Um, but I, I would say before that really, like I think, probably like I would want to say like 2017 2018 um around that time like uh like when mm, I'm trying to think of like the first few big events that we really got included on I think the, the like when I, I developed a great relationship with Warner Brothers that was one of the first studios that I personally started to develop relationships with publicists which are just like it's crucial to have those relationships uh and, and to talk to everybody in the industry um, and Warner Brothers and um, Sony started treating us really well. And Disney was one of the later ones to come around with consistent invitations. Um, but we just, the, the Aquaman, I think Aquaman, I hosted the Aquaman premiere on behalf of comicbook.com for Warner Brothers. And that was kind of like, and that was after, uh, I think the first set visit I had was Justice League. And it just started to be, it started to become a snowball like really quickly. Like we got invited to civil war, but we didn't get invited to do interviews at civil war. We just got invited to the press conference and to the movie. And we didn't get invited to the premiere or anything. We just got invited to watch the movie the day, like a couple weeks before it came out and go to the press conference, which pretty much everybody, every press, it, it's pretty welcoming to the press. They, they, they allow a lot of people into the press conference. And then it was like, okay. So that was, I think what, 2016. And I was like, we need to, I want to be doing the interviews. I think the first Marvel movie I did interviews for was Ant-Man, but we didn't do on camera. They want to give me an on a TV spot at that junket. So I had to do all my interviews and I was recording the uh, audio on my phone. I was doing voice memos uh, because we didn't do on camera interviews. We did one because I brought a camera and this is totally, like, I don't think they would even let this happen anymore. I'm surprised they let this happen then with everything I know about how these things work. Peyton Reed, the director of Ant-Man agreed to do an on camera interview, but 
like you don't bring your own camera to a junket. You walk in, you sit down, it's all set up and you walk out and they give you a memory card. So they just keep it running. Uh, but I brought the camera and I interviewed Peyton Reed on camera and that interview really like just put up numbers. So I think after that interview, they started bringing us into new TV stuff. And I think the thing that really allowed me to prove myself what I was capable of was The Walking Dead without a doubt. Um, that cast and crew and the people at AMC really, really like welcomed me and comicbook.com in and gave us, I mean, on a weekly basis, we were getting interviews uh, over the phone because it, it was like the show was on. So there was no like event. They were all over the phone. And then uh, I started doing when Facebook Live came out, I started, <laughs> this was so bad. Oh man, I wanted to do these live shows and we didn't have the technology to like what we're doing right now. Uh, so, and then broadcast that, especially in a live format. And I was the only person that I was a one man video team back then. So I would Skype in with like Josh McDermott who plays Eugene or like uh, Ross Marquand who played Aaron and various people from walking dead. And I would put, I would put a monitor like a, a secondary computer monitor wired to my computer and have the Skype window on the monitor. And then my phone on Facebook live uh, leaned against my computer talking to them. And so you could see the person and you could see me. And that was like, those were put numbers. So it was like, it looked terrible, but people watched it. Uh, and it was it, that the walking dead and the evolution of that show till we got a studio and got to do it properly was what really kicked it off. It was definitely walking Dead. I should have started with walking dead. Cause that's what, I owe everything to Walking Dead and that cast and crew and publicity team taking me in and allowing me to prove what I could do. And that, then it snowballed into movies and stuff. Yeah, that's, I love that, that story so amazing. I love that story so much. Um, that, that's awesome. And The Walking Dead has, has a really big like, cult-like following. So, so that, that makes a lot of sense that it would, it would blow up like that because people want to see that content. I, I mean, that, that's absolutely amazing. So we're going to jump a few years into the future, more, more modern day. So you know, this question is something that I've, I've, I've wanted to know since these two big films have happened. And I, I see you got the Infinity Gauntlet in the background. I absolutely love it. Um, Infinity War and Endgame were, were just cultural just events. I mean, it wasn't even just a movie. It was an, an event. And yes. it transcended just comic book fans or, you know, the film fan community. Like it, it was everyone in the world wanted to see what was happening in the MCU at that point and now beyond how just just from what you've seen since those movies have come out how has the coverage of all the marvel news and the mcu news how has it changed ever since those two films because now there's a heck of a lot more people that are interested in this than it, what there was before yeah man, it's it's just become like you have to cut like outlets have to cover it uh and it's just like if if one of these actors signs on to a movie you know, they're, they're at their press junket, they're going to get asked about the Marvel movie or the DC movie too. Uh, just because comic book movies in general have become that big. Marvel seems to be more in line with the mainstream uh, thing that, uh, that people respond to the most uh, in the, in by quantity of audience. Um, and, and it's just for us, I mean, our we cover it all. I mean, like everything, it's just, we, when those movies came out, it was just, you can cover an interview. You can cover what an actor said. You can cover an Easter egg from the comics. Uh, expert knowledge came into play a lot. Um, 
research. It requires more research because there's so many Marvel. I haven't read every Marvel comic. I don't know everything about Marvel comics. I know more than most people, I would say. But there's people in the industry who know more than me. And there's people in the industry who I might know a little bit more. Of, or there might be gaps. You know, there's so much to know. Sometimes I'll go to these junkets and or or, or on a set visit and like Eric Eisenberg from Cinema Blend. He just knows. I mean, he knows comics and movies. I, I wish I had his wealth of knowledge. Um, but it, that knowledge combined with uh, like, I think, I think you have to have a personality now and which is what 2020 has shown us is that you need to have like the audience invested in, in how they're getting that news. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's all, and, and I mean, it's, uh, it's theories and speculation and, and, and fan art. It all just hits, especially for our audience. I mean, at comicbook.com that all hits for a website like MTV news you know, some of those are going to hit, some of those aren't like, you know, uh, but uh, we have really kind of, you just kind of have to have your finger on the pulse all the time. So like what I've done is I started just kind of following different fans on, on Twitter. Um, and I've ended up as a result, just building, building a, a really awesome community online and people who I've come to like know them based on their Twitter name. Uh, they all have like different pictures that aren't even themselves, but I see them so often that I see that I, have started to recognize them, but I, I started doing that at first to try to learn from them, to try to see like, what is the topic? What are the fans talking about? Uh, and then I ended up just following more and more because I started engaging with these people and taking genuine interest in these people uh, and these fans. A lot of them are young people. Some of them are older than me. Uh, and it's just, con you have to constantly know because the timing is everything. You have to be quick. Like, and, and people get their news from Twitter now, which means they get it instantly. So if you have to, get, if you want, trying to give them a reason to click on your website or watch your video, you really have to have that knowledge, that that fleshed out theory, that personality, all of the above, uh, to 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 make it worth their time and make them want to come back. Because why leave Twitter if it's all right there? So Marvel has been a huge driver in that because now all the studios recognize we can get these actors and they'll generate press and everywhere we can like we can throw one little thing into a movie or one little thing into this scene and it's going to go crazy uh, on the internet. They, they know the student Disney above all, I think knows how that stuff works because Disney is very particular about how their press is handled. Um, but I mean, Warner brothers, Sony, they all know what they're doing pretty well and they know what we're going to cover. Uh, they don't have to email us and ask for coverage. They just, they know if this actor is in this, if this character is in this, we're going to, we're going to be all over it until people stop clicking. Yeah, checking that Twitter feed every day and it's just, it's just it's addicting at some point yeah. just to see if there's yeah. that news but it's like um, also like opening the refrigerator when you know there's no food in there because you, you still go back and you're like ah oh, there's like, like there's still nothing here but every once in a while you'll find something yeah, like, because oh, you, yeah yeah because you could scroll and then like there could be if you scroll that one more time and, and refresh yeah. there could be that little nugget yeah that that it's very true it's very true so um the entertainment industry in, in 2019 was on a high. I, mean, I, I thought it was a fantastic year for movies. A lot of people that I had, had have followed and looked have said that that was a really, really big year for the movie industry. And then 2020, COVID hit, yeah, everything just, just everything stopped. All the movies that I was anticipating last year, I'm now anticipating this year. It was, it was crazy. So, um, and I've asked this to a lot of people in different industries because I've been so interested to hear um, how, how did you guys have to adapt and how, how did you in particular adapt, find ways to make content when there was really no in-person human interaction at all this past year? Uh, man, it was, it was, uh, it was tough. It was a little scary. Like, to be honest, I like, got so many outlets downsized or laid off or sold or sh shut down. 
Uh, and we at Comic Book were just unbelievably lucky to weather that storm. We've actually grown um, during this time. Uh, we've, our, our monthly visitors has, has increased. And I think that's because people are home and people just need stuff to look at. But we have, uh, we've, we've just made it a point to dr just drill out as much content as we can. Um, and, and it's just required just pivots and, and it's all very reactionary to uh, like, just as news comes out, of course, that's priority, but it's creating new opportunities. Like uh, when we first started, it was like, oh, this is gonna be for two weeks. You know, we're gonna be home for two weeks, we'll be right back. Uh, and for me, it was, I was on the road three, four nights a week. I was very, very rarely home. I rent a room out in my house to one of my best friends. Uh, and I, when we moved in here, I was just, I joked like, congrats, I bought you a house because you know, we both know I'm never home. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was home all the time. So that was per, on a personal level. That was one of the hardest things. Like this summer, I, I mentally was just like, man, this sucks. Like what? This is not my life anymore. Um, but we, I mean, like uh, I, I started doing quarantine watch party events, which I've, I am really proud of. It gave people something to look forward to. It gave me something to look forward to where we would watch movies at the same time online and use the hashtag so we could all talk to each other. Um, and we just started like finding new ways to do interviews and create content. Uh, like when that we went through like a phase where we were doing this thing called talking shop. We would do Instagram live with different celebrities because that appealed to the celebrities because they might gain a few followers from it. Uh, and everybody wants to have followers on their Instagram account. Uh, and Zoom has become everything. I mean, it has made some things easier, but it takes out a little bit of the excitement for sure. Uh, like we just did a thing where um, I had three Wonder Woman fans talk about why they love Wonder Woman and they had no idea that Gal Gadot was on the call listening. And I don't think I would have had an opportunity to do that in person. So now that we've done that, hopefully when we do get back to in-person, we can do that sort of thing because I can say, look, we did this on Zoom. This is how it went. I picked these people. I'll do the same thing in person. So it's just be, it's just been constantly finding the opportunity, identifying what's possible, um, why it would work and exploiting that, uh, which is different. I mean, every week it's different. Like we have meetings every week with a full staff on comic book. I don't lead those meetings. I, I listen, I participate, but uh, our team of leaders does a great job of making sure that everybody uh, is on is on top of things. Uh, and it's, it's just finding stuff like this podcast that, that I'm, we're about to launch because you need to grow personalities. Like you, it, it's very reliant on, uh, like a lot of these outlets. Like I, I know people don't like barstool sports because of kind of the stuff they, they represent, but I think that they have done just the gold standard in kind of building out their own personalities. And that's why ESPN, I think is starting to try to mirror them. People who follow barstool know every, know everybody who works for barstool. Whether you love them or hate them, I think that's an indisputable fact. So I think a lot of outlets, if they had that same thing where they had all of those personalities and their personalities became a product rather than just the news that you can already get off of Twitter becoming the product, that's such a big thing. And we've started to grow that. We, we were already hoping to do that, but we, that's become a huge focus for us as well um, because personality is just, a, and, and in it, like, honest interaction with your with your readers and your fans and your viewers is is a like just i mean that's that's to me that's the most important thing and that's a key to success it with that when, on days where there's no news absolutely and then i love that wonder woman video it was absolutely it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun <laughs> dude the whole the whole team was crying when we were doing that like they yeah. were messaging me on slack like i'm crying right now 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was awesome. So, so I'm going to pivot now. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but you brought it up. Uh, the Phase Zero podcast. This is this is uh, the big thing that's coming out. So, I just kind of wanted, you know, for for the, the listeners, the viewers, just you know, you're, so you're starting this new podcast. It's coming out January 15th. Uh, comicbook.com anywhere you can hear podcasts. So where did the idea come from? What is, what is the concept and, and what can listeners expect from this new podcast series you got coming out? Uh, it's interesting. We first wanted to launch this podcast in October of 2019. Uh, and we had a bunch of different names for it, like the Oh Snap podcast or the, uh, we had a couple different ones. Um, but Oh Snap, I think was like the second place finish. We were about to call it Oh Snap. And then Jim Viscardi and I were sitting in a meeting room and I was like, what about phase zero? And he's like, yeah, okay. I was like, I like that. Let's do it. So we started getting ready and kind of bouncing ideas and developing the idea for the podcast back in October of 2019. And it was always going to be a Marvel centric podcast. It's going to cover all things that I and the other hosts are interested in because I, I like to think of ourselves as the target audience. If we are interested in it, then our ideal audience will be interested in it. So that means Marvel, DC, Walking Dead, if it has something big happen, Peacemaker, the Suicide Squad, DC, the Batman, all those things. Uh, but it's going to be very Marvel at, at its core. Uh, and, and that's because I feel like I'm passionate about Marvel. I have the knowledge for Marvel. Um, and I, I think I have, I have more Marvel comic knowledge than I do DC comic knowledge. Uh, and I have plenty of DC knowledge, but I, like, I, just, I, I see what people talk about on Twitter. And I'm like, all right, I got to learn a little bit more before I would try to profess myself to be a DC expert. Um, and so we didn't want to launch it in October of 2019 because I was like, dude, the next, the next uh, Marvel thing is Black Widow in May. Like we, what are we going to do with a, a weekly show with no content to talk about until May? So they kind of held it off and they held it off. I convinced them to hold it off. And then we were like getting ready to launch it in March, a couple months out of Black Widow because we were going to have exclusive stuff that we could break. And I was like, all right, let's launch it with this, with this embargo lift or with that, whatever. Uh, and right as we were getting ready to launch it, everything shut down. So we were like, all right, well, we don't know if Black Widow's coming out. We don't know when anything's coming out. Let's hold it. Uh, and now, you know, we have the Disney Plus shows coming out on a weekly basis. So we'll always have something to talk about. Production is back mostly. So plenty of stuff to talk about there. Um, and it's going to be just a, it's going to be a very laid back, fun kind of voice of the fans uh podcast based around marvel stuff and uh hopefully just like do stuff that like talk about the stuff that i know that like stan twitter likes to talk about maybe we talk about some ships some silly stuff uh and start some arguments because i know those always go really well that sounds great and again guys phase zero podcast comicbook.com anywhere podcasts are, are heard january 15th make sure you guys all go listen i know i will so now i just thought of this in my head right as i was about to say it I am now going to interview you about interviews because <laughs> I, I, I think of you as like the king of interviews. I always see you on social media interviewing this celebrity, this celebrity. I mean, you mentioned The Rock earlier, your, your buds with The Rock. I, so, <laughs> so I just, I wanted to know, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, when, when did it really start to become like a thing where you were like, Hey, I, I want to really get these like big interviews in. And, and that you talked about it a little bit earlier, but, but kind of what was, what was that kind of beginnings to, to getting these really big time interviews with these celebrities? I, I well, definitely like pre day one, I wanted to do the biggest interviews. I just thought I was ready for them and I wasn't. Uh, I've, I, I always just, I want to do the max possible thing from the beginning. And sometimes 
you don't need to start at the max. You need to work your way up. Uh, and I'm glad I did that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that. It's just like I th- the, the benefit to talking with so many celebrities on top of being a fan and getting the opportunity to meet these people who I've kind of idolized for a long time is just, you know, the being able to send that content to viewers. Like, it's just, I send that tweet with a clip that I'm proud of from an interview. And I, I love reading the responses and people being like, oh, this was funny. Oh, this was a good clip. Oh, thanks for that information. So, and of course that builds the comic book brand and it gets traffic on and that helps pay the bills. So it all just kind of complements each other. Uh, and then of course, the bigger the interview, like if I ever get to sit down with Robert Downey Jr., that's an interview that I know everybody's going to watch and I'm going to be proud of and I'm going to want to have people laughing at and learning things from and of course, building my own brands and the comic book brand and uh, you know, the, the bigger the interview, but you got to treat every interview like it is that big um, because like, like it is Robert Downey Jr. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, you ha- if you're doing an interview, I think you have to treat all of them as if this is the biggest interview you're going to have. Uh, and sometimes I, I get, I, I don't, I can't say I always do that. Sometimes I like, I got to ground myself because I've become so fortunate at comic book. Like some of the people I've got to talk to uh, and some of them more than once um, you like at Comic-Con, for example, it's a full Friday or Saturday of, I mean, I'll never forget. I think, I think I had like a panic attack on a Friday morning at the last Comic-Con I went to because I had, I think like 18 interviews in one day and like each of the, some of them had like up to eight people in them. And it was just some of the stuff was stuff that I hadn't even watched because I don't find out about this stuff until the day before. So I prepare for some more than others. Then I go in and I'm like, I know oh, the perfect example of this. I interviewed the cast of the boys before I knew much about the boys. This was an interview that got kind of, uh, they told me about it like two days before, but the day before was another full day of Comic-Con. So I didn't have time to prep for the boys interview. So I did like a, I mean, I, I didn't prep for it as much as I want, would have in any case, in any normal circumstance, but at Comic-Con, sometimes you got to pick and choose where you prep, especially when, when it comes at you so late. And I, I just, I, I did some quick Googling. I wrote down some questions. I looked at the comic. I did like wiki notes, all those kind of things. And I didn't understand the concept of the show or the comic clearly at the time. I thought I did. And the boys ended up being like my favorite TV show. Like it's, it's so good. Uh, and I go back and I watch the interview and it's so clear that I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I hate that. I never want to look like the person who doesn't know what they talk about. I've actually asked, uh, I think it was, I think it was uh, somebody, it was either Coleman Domingo or Alicia Debenham Carey. We were just talking one day uh, from Fear the Walking Dead. And I asked one of them, I don't remember where, which, which one it was, but I asked one of them, um, do you know when people don't watch your show when they're interviewing you? And they said, oh yeah, right away. And I was like, I never want to be that person. <laughs> I never ever want to be that person. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome. So, so, so I also, that, that actually brings me right into my, my next question. So, so, you know, research is such an important thing when you're getting ready for an interview. So not on an 18 interview day at Comic-Con on a regular, regular, you're going to interview somebody. What, what's the first thing you do when you are prepping an interview? What's the most important first thing that you have to do when you're getting ready? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I pull up like the IMDB profile, make sure that there, if there's any other titles I need to ask them about. First, you got to watch the title that you're doing the interview for or read the book that you're doing the interview for. Um, but then I will go to the IMDb profile. I'll pull up their, all of their social media accounts. I'll Google their name um, and see if like there's any hot topic that people want to know about. I'll sometimes, sometimes I'll send a tweet that's like, hey, I'm about to talk to this person. What question do you have? And a lot of times people do come up with some thoughtful stuff or at least kind of something that 
puts me in the direction, like starts me down a path towards a question I want to ask. It gets my mind going that way. Um, but you, the, the key, I think, for, for doing a good interview is knowing the subject inside and out. And that means in, in the case of like a movie interview with an actor, that means knowing the actor, every movie, that, as many movies as you're not going to maybe have watched every movie they've ever done. If you've interviewing Samuel L. Jackson, he's done 100 movies a year. But you, you want to be as familiar with their history as you can and their future, ideally. And you want to know everything you can about the character they played in that movie. Because that way you're able to be genuine and thoughtful in your question development, but also listen to what they're saying. So that if they say something, you can identify, I want to, I want to follow that. I want to go down that and I want to ask about that. Or uh, you recognize like, oh, you just got a really good sound bite. You need to go turn around and rush that onto the site uh, and things like that. So I, to me, it's just knowing the inside, knowing the ins and outs, how, what makes it tick your subject because that way you'll, you'll, you'll be your most confident, you'll get the best content. Uh, and it just, and they will leave happy and impressed with how you just carry yourself. Absolutely. That, that is such great advice. So the last main question I'm going to ask you, and then I have a few quick, quick, quick fire ones that, that, that I think the world is burning to know, or at least I am. Um, but the, the last main question I want to ask you, and th this is what I'm going to ask every single person I interview, because I am so intrigued every time I ask someone this question. What is one thing that you wish you knew when you first started out in this industry that you know now? Oh, man. Uh, I, I wish I knew when I started how patient I should have been because I would have been a lot happier back then. Um, but also just like you just I wish I knew how much more you have to learn. Like and now that's something I, I understand. Like I know now that when I walk into a room to do an interview or I walk in to shoot a video uh, that's scripted with my team or I just am producing any sort of content it's not the best thing in the world like it's not like people are going to worship this video just because it exists you need to give them a reason to watch you need to keep growing you need to listen to people you need to get feedback and you need to like look at what works and be realistic about it just because you start doing something and you really like it and you're really proud of it that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a huge success. And from a business perspective, like, and that's at the end of the day, it sucks, but this is all a business. And fortunately for me, I have been given a lot of creative freedom at comic book. I've been given a lot of great opportunities and, but along the way, I've picked up that business of it. And I've, I've picked up that I, and I recognize I need to write a lot of articles to supplement the amount of time I put into these videos because articles are where we make a lot of our money from the ads on the site. And the video supplement that, but you know, we, we need to keep both engines going. Uh, but yeah, I think just knowing, like pay attention, learn, uh, and just like be more willing at the beginning to be that way. Don't be a dumb 23 year old who thinks he's still in college, like, and, and that your shit don't stink. Like it, it does. It's things. I watch videos of myself back then. I'm like, why'd they hire me? That, that, that's awesome. Such, such great advice, such great tips. All right. So I've got nine quick fire questions for you. First thing that comes into, doesn't have to be the first thing. I, I want to actually know the real answer. I, right. I want to know the real answer. So the first one that I have for you, who's the favorite person you've ever interviewed? The Rock or Will Smith. Okay, great. Favorite movie that you wish you could have seen in theaters, but you didn't get to? Oh, favorite movie I didn't see in theaters. I wish I got to. Probably Creed. Oh, great, great. With Lord of the Rings. 
Okay, yeah, those are good choices. All right, Infinity War or Endgame? Infinity War is a better movie. I like Endgame more. Great. What is your most anticipated movie of 2021? The Suicide Squad. What is your most anticipated Marvel project for this year? Loki. Or movie. Loki. Loki and Shang-Chi. Awesome, awesome. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, man. It depends on the side of the bed I wake up on. Uh, like maybe Inception, Guardians of the Galaxy. You can list a few, yeah. The Avengers, Pineapple Express, <laughs> The oh. Dark Knight. Oh, God. Austin Powers. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm. Uh, that's tough. That, that genuinely fluctuates. Like it, it really goes back and forth. But those are some of my favorite movies. Great. What was your favorite movie of 2020? Bad Boys for Life. Great movie. Now I got to ask you a sports question. I know you're from, you went to South Carolina, SEC college football playoff championship is happening sometime within the next few weeks. I mean, with Ohio, the news about Ohio state, it could be delayed a little bit, but Clemson or Alabama, are you back in the SEC or are you against the ACC on this one? Oh, I'm against the ACC all day. I am. I, well, I, I think mm, I would like to see Ohio state win it all uh because i hate clemson so much that i'm happy they had beat clemson but i think alabama is just too strong too sound of a team i think uh, but if ohio state wins i'll be the happiest but if oh, alabama wins it's like cool the sec one <laughs> that, that's a great that's a great way to put it all right my final one and this is the one that i i was really excited to ask what is your best pitch if you got to sit in front of kevin feige and pitch him a Nova movie. <laughs> what would be your best pitch for a Nova movie starring yourself? I'll tell you this. I think the, I, I, the, I would just pitch the opening scene of the movie and it would sell a million tickets because it starts out with Richard Ryder looking like he's just like on earth, but he's not, but you think he is. And he's just chilling. He's like got his Nova suit on, like the Nova core suit. And all of a sudden you just see everything around him starts getting destroyed. And when the wall behind him falls down, you see that it's Xandar and you find that Thanos is there destroying Xandar and killing everybody on there. And everything just gets destroyed by the power stone when he obtains it. And you see that Richard Ryder is the only person who survives Xandar. So that way you could put Thanos in the trailer. You could have the movie open in like the pre-Infinity War prologue. uh, And you can then go on to have it take place during the blip and have Richard Ryder learn how to become Nova. He inherits the power of the Nova Corps. He starts kind of having that inner monologue with the world mind, and he starts going out and rescuing people who need it in the wake of Thanos' destruction during the blip. And then after everybody comes back, he's like, what do I do? All these people just reappeared. I don't need to be here anymore. That's how the movie ends. And then, yeah, no, no, we need you. We need you on Earth, buddy. Go back and see your fam. Kevin Feige, give him all the money. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is absolutely- point, You need the comic book panel that I think the line is, I think this is like, the, oh, I forget who wrote this one. I think it's Abnett. Uh, he walked, like he's walking towards one of like Annihilus's aliens and uh, he just destroyed the alien's ship and he's walking through the fire and he's t- looking at the guy just marching at him and he's like, well, let's review. Your ship is toast. I'm Nova. You're dead. And I'm like, yo, that is the best, most badass moment for Nova. That needs to make it into the movie. And if it doesn't, the world should riot. Oh my gosh. Recapping for everyone, Phase Zero podcast, January 15th, comicbook.com. Anywhere you can hear podcasts. Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. I mean, this was really a treat. I really enjoyed it. And good luck to you, man, in the future. I mean, 
I'll be listening. I know everyone else will. And let's hope you get that Nova movie, man. <laughs> sure, man, man, that'd be something. Uh, I think like 10 people signed the petition. So really it's Disney's loss if they don't, huh? But no, dude, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and I can't wait to see how this comes out. I look forward to watching your future uh, professional conversations, man. Great. Thank you so much.